The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, continuing today with the fourth talk on the topic of Nibbana. And in some circles, Nibbana, uh, there's a lot of intense conversation about what Nibbana is with the idea that it's a noun, it's a thing, and uh, or a particular state, and it has to be something. And people, there's a lot of discussions about what it is. And maybe this experience of deep release, deep freedom, doesn't lend itself to very, to some very clear idea of what it is, because mostly what it is is the absence of something. And what's left in the absence, maybe is not need, we don't need to know. And this idea of to know, to understand, sometimes is a real hindrance and actually gets in the way of living the freedom that we have experienced. And um, so, but instead of uh, looking at what Nibbana is, more than, that, more than it's, it's a, a movement of freedom, or it's a release of deep letting go or non-clinging, beyond that, rather than trying to define what it is in some metaphysical way or clear way um, as a thing, what's important about Nibbana is how it functions for us. So if uh, a person is really thirsty, the molecular structure of water is not important. What's important is the function of drinking water to quench this thirst. So in the same way, the molecular structure of Nibbana, what it might actually be, is it a form of consciousness? Is it a form of some transcendent state, some ultimate reality, some thing that's unconditioned? All these questions that people want to have answered. It, there, there may be, besides the point, the real point of Nibbana is how we're changed by it, how it functions for us. And, uh, and that's, in fact, one of the ways in which this discussion about liberation, freedom, awakening is discussed in the Buddhist tradition is by how the person who's liberated is changed. And... Um, and uh, w- the advantage of looking at what it, you know, uh, uh, how how we've changed, how we be, how we have been transformed, is that um, it uh, it's a little protection against clinging to an experience. Like now I have that experience. Now I'm that kind of person. I'm making a self out of that experience. It's also protection against fo- getting too preoccupied about feeling, uh, having opinions about what Nibbana really is. Um, what's important maybe is not what it is, but how it works on us, how we're changed. And perhaps different peri- people have different experiences of Nibbana, different ways in which it's, they go through it, or ways in which they touch into something like freedom. And, um, and, and so we don't want to kind of concretize too much what it is, as an experience, as is we want to understand how it's going to function for us. So one of the functions is to uh, release a person 
of attachments. For, uh, and attachments uh, really here means clinging, the ways in which the mind has gotten contracted or tight or compulsive around or driven by certain um, uh, desires, certain aversions, certain uh, ideas, certain feelings, certain motivations. And this drivenness, this compulsion, this contracting around, this grabbing hold, uh, this insistence that this is how it's going to be, or this being pushed by something, even if we don't want it, we can't help ourselves because there's this very strong drive that we feel driven. Uh, it, part of the function is to have this freedom from that drivenness, from that compulsion. The ancient language uses the word thirst for um, uh, what we in English would translate as craving. Um, but they use this metaphor of thirst for this driven desires that uh, we're becoming free of. So part of the function of Nibbana is to free us or begin the process of freeing us from uh, our thirst the, the desire, the, uh, the desires of thirst, uh, the, uh, the thirsty desires, kind of the, where there's a kind of compulsion, compulsion in it. It also the function is to begin um, uh, understanding where the path of freedom resides, where the open doors are, and so it uh, becomes clear that it's not found in rituals, and it's also not found in precepts. Uh, certain rules of behavior, uh, certain uh, you know rituals and things. Rituals and precepts are, can be useful and phenomenally wonderful for human life, and they have their p- important place. But they, in of themselves, are not the the direct experience, the direct movement towards uh, the opening the doors of the mind and the heart of becoming free. And uh, and so, uh, part of what the Buddha is pointing to with liberation is the possibility of having a vision of where freedom is found, a vision of where the doors are open for awareness to just be open and clear and free with our experience. And that idea of a vision is uh, encapsulated in the first step of the Eightfold Path, right view, right vision. And... Um, and to, to have had an experience that's clear enough of freedom to now have a kind of inner sight. It, it, the Buddha called it a, a Dharma eye has been opened and Dharma vision has been opened where we kind of now have a sense of feeling for or a, or a vision for or, an, or a clear recognition of what is freedom of the mind, where the mind is, the doors are open, at ease, peaceful, happy. And, um, and so having that, we see the direct path to freedom, that, uh, that uh, precepts, rules, um, rituals are not as direct as this direct path the Buddha is pointing to. So that's, you know, because rituals can be such a big uh, part of some people's lives, uh, if they think that the ritual themselves are going to be freeing, that's what the Buddha, I think, was really pointing to. In and of themselves, they're not freeing. Uh, the same thing with uh, philosophies. The Buddha was quite uh, adamant that um, believing in philosophies, believing in certain metaphysical ideas, 
and believing that certain ideas are ultimate um, is just a trap. That's not where freedom is found. Freedom is not found, even if it's good ideas, even if it's true ideas, that's not where freedom is found. Freedom is found in non-clinging, in release. And another thing that uh, becomes clear with when the freedom is clear enough, when the Ibana is clear enough, that uh, that sense of release and openness and freedom and the radiance, the light, the clarity, the happiness, the ease, the well-being that comes with it um, is independent of any uh, uh, idea of an essential self, a permanent self, a, um, a reified self. Uh, the, any idea that there's a true, the, the, the ancient language is a true body, a true group of things, the sakaya, S-A, means true here, and kaya, K-A-Y-A. And um, in the ancient world, there were people who believed there was a true body essence and we have to realize what that essence was, and then we can be free, find out who our true, authentic self is. The Buddha said, uh, uh, the idea of Nibbana, this freedom, uh, becomes a freedom also from uh, any preoccupation, concern, desire for uh, this kind of finding, this kind of true, essential, authentic essence that's always there. Um, and in fact, the freedom shows that that's not needed. In a sense, it's not needed. It's not there in the freedom, in the open door. And um, and some people then will uh, word this, explain this, saying uh, Nibbana is also a clear recognition of not-self. Um, that uh, And so this absence of self in that experience is very freeing and very um, nice for, for to have. And then the other function of uh, this experience of Nibbana, the release or the freedom of Nibbana, the freedom, release from greed, hate, and delusion, is to have a clear understanding, as I said yesterday, a really clear, crystal clear understanding of the difference between being caught in greed, hate, and delusion, caught in clinging, and the absence of being caught. And when the absence of being caught, when the freedom is so clear, then a person has a first-hand experience of what the Dharma is, what the Buddha was teaching. It's not abstract philosophy. It's not something that complicated. It's the really clear recognition of this potential we have of no longer being preoccupied by uh, clinging, aversion, attachments, and aversions, hostilities, all these things. And to have this qualitative, clear uh, experience of that ease and peace and freedom, and to know that's possible. And so this is what the Buddha was about. This is what there's teaching. Gives a person an unshakable confidence in the three refuges, in the Buddha, Dharma, and the Sangha. Not because they now kind of... uh, uh, dogmatically believe the Buddha, Dharma, and the Sangha, but now they know for themselves something that can never be taken away. And so, because it's their, uh, one's own, it's personal in a sense, that uh, this tremendous confidence arises. This is possible. And then the confidence is a confidence, really, 
in the, in the value of being free, the value of not clinging or being attached, the value of really keeping the doors open in the mind and the heart. And learning how to do that in a wise, effective, and if a safe way. And not succumbing to the beliefs that we have to close the doors. Not succumbing to the beliefs that we have to cling, or have to have aversion, or have to tighten up, or, or get this compulsive driven kind of qualities back going. So the functions of Nibbana uh, is at the essence a tremendous confidence in the potential for freedom. Because this first experience of Nibbana is not necessarily uh, going to be a complete letting go of all the clinging and attachments we have. It's a letting go that's maybe complete momentarily or for a short time. But then our clingings will come back. Some of them will come back. And at that point, But now we know. We know the practice is not to believe those or give those authority or invest ourselves in the world of clinging. The path is towards freedom. This path is to find those open doors in the maze of the mind so that life can flow through us rather than life experiences getting stopped and gummed up in our hearts and minds. So, um, so the function of Nibbana. And then uh, tomorrow uh, I'll talk about the relationship with the Nibbana and the Eightfold Path. That the Eightfold Path is, uh, uh, arises out of the experience, the sense of Nibbana. So um, thank you so much and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Well, seeing you, I don't really see you, but being with you and seeing your wonderful names and places you're from and your greetings. And thank you.